The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. On first and ten, Stanley scanning the field, finds Regani inside the five and in for the Iowa touchdown. The redshirt freshman from 21 yards. What an opening drive for these Hawkeyes to really mix it up and break their tendencies. I heard you mention the word aggressive, what, three, four times on that first drive. An offense that was criticized for being perhaps a little bit too conservative in Madison. They find different ways to get it done here. Eight plays, 75 yards, and an early Iowa lead. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who previews this week's Iowa-Illinois game and also reflects on the Hawks' Floyd of Rosedale win over Minnesota. We have Bonenkamp's Big Breakdown, John Bonenkamp's weekly look at Big Ten football, and you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Illinois' Lovey Smith. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporters Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, along with award-winning sports writer John Bonenkamp. The Iowa-Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of Fox with announcers Joe Davis and Brock Yard. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Heavy dose of Goodson in this first quarter. The freshman trying to get around the edge. Crashes his way in. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. Ten yards. Goodson running with a purpose. This extra point is good, and it's 13-0 Hawkeyes. All Iowa over the first quarter. They call him the human joystick. Use the joystick for a truck stick here, running through St. Juice. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. (laughs) How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Deep drop. In zone. Smith-Marset. Touchdown, Iowa. The Hawkeyes exploding out of the gates. Three drives and three touchdowns against the eighth-ranked team. The speed of the Hawkeyes right now in this offense is simply too fast for Minnesota on the back end. And it's 20-3 midway through the second quarter. Nate Stanley four for four on the drive, and he finds the one-time Minnesota commit out of Newark, New Jersey. Amir Smith-Marset for the score. The University of Iowa Hawkeyes host the Illini from the University of Illinois and yet another important Big Ten West Division contest. Kickoff is set for 11.01 a.m. This is also Iowa's senior day with 19 seniors playing their final game at Kinnick Stadium. While both teams are already bowl eligible, a win on Saturday and again the following week would likely substantially improve the bowls both teams might get invited to. Iowa is coming off a trophy game win over previously unbeaten Minnesota last Saturday at Kinnick, improving to 7-3 overall and 4-3 in Big Ten play. A much improved Illinois team is 6-4 overall, 4-3 in the conference. The Illini have wins over Akron, Yukon, Wisconsin, Purdue, Rutgers, and Michigan State. The victory over the Badgers in Champaign came via a last-second field goal, and the win at 
that Michigan State marked the biggest come-from-behind victory in Illini football history. Illinois is coming off its second bye week of the season. The Illini have won four straight Big Ten games, something that hasn't happened since 2001. Illinois leads this all-time series 38-24-1, but Iowa has won 13 of the last 16 games, 10 of the last 11, and five straight. The Hawkeyes are 18-18-2 in games played against Illinois and Iowa City. The last Illini win at Kinnick was 1999 in Kirk Ferentz's first year as Iowa head coach. Iowa played at Illinois last season, also in Week 11, and recorded its largest win in the 74-game series, 63-0. That is also the Hawkeyes' largest margin of victory under Kirk Ferentz and is the 12th biggest in program history. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, the dean of college football coaches, is in his 21st season as the Hawkeyes head man with a record of 159 and 104. He is the winningest head football coach in Iowa history, and his 95 wins in Big Ten conference play ties him for fifth all-time in conference history with Joe Paterno. Ferentz is one win away from tying Hayden Fry for fourth all-time in the Big Ten. Illinois head coach Lovey Smith is in his fourth year there as head coach coach with a record of 15 and 31. He also serves as his team's defensive coordinator. In game notes, once again, the Iowa defense surrendered more yards and points than it would like, but retained its lofty national rankings for the most part. The Hawkeyes are 5th in scoring defense, 12th in total defense, and 16th in rushing D. The scoring defense is the lowest in the Ferentz era and the lowest by any Iowa team since 1959. When he started in the Minnesota game, Tyler Good became the first true freshman running back to start at Iowa since 2012. That was Greg Garman. Goodson finished with 94 rush yards against the Gophers. Nate Stanley has now started in 36 straight games at quarterback. The Hawkeyes are 24 and 12 in those contests. Stanley is second in program history in passing touchdowns with 66 and third in passing yards with 7,682. He also ranks third in the Big Ten in total passing yards and passing yards per game. The Illini came into this game with a plus 14 turnover margin and ranked first in the FBS and the Big Ten in defensive touchdowns, turnovers gained, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, and turnover margin. In depth chart notes, Iowa's injury situation continues to improve. That includes the likelihood that both wide receiver Brandon Smith and cornerback Michael O.J. Mudia will see action this Saturday. In tidbits and nuggets, the Iowa teams, it's 19 seniors have been a part of have an overall record of 32 and 17, are 19 and 8 at Kinnick Stadium, are 19 and 15 in Big Ten games, and 13 and 5 in trophy games, including the Bulls. Those seniors are Drew Cook, Wes Dvorak, Amani Jones, Cedric Lattimore, John Milani, Michael O.J. Mudia, Landon and Levi Paulson, Colton Rastetter, Brady Reef, Brady Ross, Ryan Schmidt, Michael Sleep Dalton, Nate Stanley, Jackson Subbert, Nate Vajon, Christian Welch, Nate Weeding, and Devonta Young. This game features twins playing on opposite sides. Iowa wide receiver Henry Marchese's brother, Michael, plays safety for the Illini. Their father, John, played at Iowa in the mid-1980s. One of the main factors in the Illini improvement this year has been transfers into Lovey Smith's program. There are seven Power Five conference transfers that were brought in this season. Six of 
of them are playing now as graduate transfers, plus two others were eligible after transferring in in 2018. This game will be televised on BTN with announcers Kevin Kugler, Matt Millen, and Rick Pizzo. It will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be available on Satellite Radio, XM Channel 195, and Sirius Channel 105. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Here we go, 80 yards. Keep the dream alive for Tanner Morgan and the Gophers. Drive starts from the 20. He pumps short. He's pressured by Epinesa. He shed him, but then got sacked. Joe Evans got there. And with no timeouts, the clock continues to run inside a minute 40 on the fifth Iowa sack of the day. Down to a minute 20 and some confusion for the Gophers. Pressure again and sacked again. Epinesa this time. There's an injured player. It's Tanner Morgan. Because the game was stopped for Tanner Morgan's injury, he's going to have to come out for at least one play. That music means Bonenkamp's big breakdown is next. You can follow John Bonenkamp on Twitter, at John Bonenkamp, and you can read John's articles on Sports Illustrated's Hawkeye Maven at si.com forward slash college forward slash Iowa. John calls in next to talk Big Ten football with the latest numbers from the Points Bet Sportsbook Catfish Bend Casino in Burlington. John Bonencaps here, his weekly look at the Big Ten and what the odds are in the games before we get to those. And even before we talk about a couple of last week's games, just a couple of quick notes about this coming weekend. 14 Big Ten teams will take the field. Six of those are divisional matchups. Nothing's changed in terms of who leads the East and the West Division. It's probably going to come down to the last game of the season when the Badgers and Gophers play each other in terms of determining that berth. But there is one way that Minnesota could clinch the Big West and get guaranteed berth in the Big Ten football championship game, and that is if they win against Northwestern this weekend and Purdue gets a victory at Wisconsin, the latter is highly unlikely. And then Ohio State in the East not only is leading that division, the perfect record, but they're also continue to lead the nation both in scoring offense and scoring defense. And eight Big Ten schools, as we've been talking about, keeping track of that number, are already bowl eligible. John, when you look at last week's results, besides the Big Iowa win over the Gophers. Rutgers actually scored some points against Ohio State. I think that was a surprise. 21. Yeah, that was really a surprise. Michigan completely dominated Michigan State. Another surprise. That team continues to kind of go into the crapper kind of season there, the Spartans. Penn State did not have an easy time against Indiana, and Wisconsin did have a relatively easy time at Nebraska. Thoughts on last week? You know, the Michigan-Michigan State game, I I think we're kind of maybe 
seeing they keep saying it's not going to happen, but we're kind of seeing the end of the Mark D'Antonio era there. I think that uh, you know this team's just kind of I mean this team's this program's just kind of falling apart, and I mean it's had cracks in it for a long time, and, and they've been able to get away with it. You know to lose as, as badly as they did last Saturday, I think that puts a lot of heat on him, and I'm not so sure he recovers. I mean he, you know I mean if, even if they do keep him around this year, you know what are you gonna have next year? You know so I found that really interesting. The rut getting back to the Rutgers game. I was surprised they scored that many points, but you know, I think I think Ohio State went into that one thinking, let's just get an early lead, get guys out of there, and, and get some guys that you know that you may need at some point here in the last couple of games, get them some work. So, um, you know, other than that, like I said, other than that, uh, oh, and, and also we forgot Northwestern didn't cover against UMass. So anyway, um, so it was an interesting week all the way around. It would probably help D'Antonio's case if he wasn't such a dour individual. That is part of it. I mean, I. I I, and I and he said some things with their various troubles that they've had that have really kind of raised eyebrows. And like I said, he got away with it when when they were a really good team. I mean, you know, think back to that 2015 team that beat Iowa, and, and you kind of thought, well, hey, this is a program that in that division is going to be a contender for a while, and, and it just really hasn't panned out for them. So I mean, like I said, I think you're kind of seeing the beginning of the end there. You're seeing really the cracks that have been there for a while. I think are really starting to take a toll on that team. Okay, let's talk this week. Week 13 in the Big Ten. We're going to save Iowa and Illinois for last, like we always do. But let's let's go with uh, the other three games that have an 11 a.m. kickoff. And there are some pretty fascinating games this weekend. First up on ABC, Minnesota at Northwestern. A really low, oh, a really low, Minnesota's only a 13 and a half point favorite, which I find really fascinating because they scored 19 against Iowa last week, and, and that was their lowest point total of the year. And Northwestern's defense isn't nearly as good as Iowa. Iowa. And their offense clearly isn't as good as Iowa. So really low number. The over under 39 and a half. So I think the odds makers are thinking that, you know, Minnesota wins this game probably, you know, 26 to 10, something like that. But I don't see Northwestern scoring that many points. So really interesting line. Like I said, I thought Minnesota would be favored by a little bit more, but I think everybody's count saying it's a road game, that sort of thing. But I can't imagine there's going to be much of an atmosphere in Evanston on Saturday. Next up, also 11 a.m. on Fox. It's a big one for all kinds of reasons, not just Big Ten East implications and overall implications for the conference, but national implications as well. Penn State at Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State, 18-point favorite, which is which I, which I uh, another line that I found, that one I kind of found maybe was a little high, because I, I think Penn State's defense is is, is fairly good, but um, the over-under 56.5, so I mean, the odds makers thinking a lot of points in this game. I think Ohio State wins this one easily. You know, I just think right now they're just too good for everybody else in that league and Penn State's probably I would call them the second best team in the league and, and when the second best team in the league is an 18 point dog at home I think I think you're looking at that's a really good Ohio State team on FS1 we've got Dower versus Woeful Michigan State <laughs> at Rutgers no line on that one I have not seen just because of Rutgers being so bad you know I think I think Michigan kindness maybe salvages some things Michigan State salvages some things in this game but uh, you know again I you know again I I, I, this is just this will just be a really horrible game all the way around because you've got a really bad Rutgers team that's that's counting the end of the days to the season, and you've got a Michigan State t- team that's probably doing the same thing. So for Michigan 
Washington State, this is, I mean, it's an important game for them, I think, just to, to win something. So I, I see that being a pretty big win for them, but but uh, it'll be also a really ugly game. Two games with a 2.30 kickoff. First on ESPN, Michigan at Indiana. Another interesting game, also with Big Ten East implications. Yeah, Michigan, a 10-point favorite on the road. I think they really impressed some people last week. Uh, over under a 52, uh, which is, I think, a little high. But, but I mean, I think Indiana puts up some points in this game. You know, a big, a big game for Michigan, I think, when, when you look at where they want to be at the end of the year and what kind of bowl game they get. And, and as, as we get closer to the end of the season, this Michigan team is going to be kind of the one that Iowa's kind of battling with for a bowl spot, I think. So, you know, I do think I do think this is a game that Iowa fans are going to be watching to see what Michigan do. I mean, this is an Indiana team. Again, talking about bowl position, I mean, I, this would be a nice win for them to get to somewhere. I mean, this is a program that doesn't do that very often. And, and the bet, the more games they can win, the better bowl they might get. And, and that's a big deal for this program. Also at 2.30 on BTN, Nebraska at Maryland. Maryland sitting at 3-7 and seven overall, 1-6 and six in the conference. Nebraska 4-6 and six overall, 2-5 and five in the conference. Nebraska has to win this game to even have a chance to be bowl eligible. And that would mean also defeating Iowa next week. Yeah, Huskers 5.5 point favorites. A really high over-under, 62. I was kind of shocked by that. But I think maybe maybe somebody's thinking there isn't going to be any defense in this game. So, you know, for again, like you said, for Nebraska, you know, this is this is it for them. They've got to run the table just to get, you know, a quick lane bowl bid or something like that. So, um, you know, for, for them, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's a big game for them. But but again, a road game against a Maryland team that's, that's kind of just playing out the string, doesn't have anything to lose. You know, Nebraska's Nebraska, and, and they're not happy with this season right now. So um, not one that I think I want to watch, but I think uh, Nebraska, I think Nebraska wins this game, and I think they barely cover. And then at 3 p.m. on Fox, Purdue at Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin, 25 and a half point favorite, which which is, again, a little high because, I mean, their offense isn't, you know, their offense isn't that, that good at times, I think. I mean, they run the ball well, but they don't throw the ball well. Over under 47 and a half, which is, again, I, I think a, a little bit high. These, that was This was one of the ones that I looked at was just weird line and a weird over under that really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I think I think Wisconsin wins this game. I'm not so sure they cover though. I, I think that you know it, it'll be close. I think. And, but I mean, again, with Purdue with some of their injuries and the things they've had, they may not score a lot of points either. So. So you're saying Minnesota can't clinch this weekend? No, nope, I don't West. think so. And and they may run into some trouble the following. So we'll see what happens. So. All right, the game you and I both cover, and that most people listening to this podcast care about. Illinois, much improved, already bowl eligible, at Iowa, which still has a shot at a 10-3 and overall season record. The 11 a.m. kickoff, BTN. Yep, 16-point favorites for Iowa, which again is kind of interesting, but I think that that to me is a lot of respect for Iowa's defense. And when you look at the numbers they've been putting up all year and, and, and you know the, the low scores that teams have had against them, I think everybody knows that this, this is an Illinois team that I think is, is much improved, but I don't don't think they get a lot of points against Iowa over under is 47 so I, I just don't see them scoring a lot here I think Iowa covers but I think it's close do you uh, have your pick in mind yet I, I yeah I'm gonna say let's say Iowa 24 10 I don't think they cover I think it'll be a close cover I don't think it'll be a close but I don't think they cover I think it's 24 10 somewhere around there all right I'm out of here uh, I hear that asteroids machine calling my name from the game room so peace and no signs of Tanner Morgan. This is going to be Cole Kramer, the true freshman. Last chance for the Gophers. 
Kramer lofting down the field. Jump ball! And is picked off by Riley Moss. And Minnesota's dream season ends here at Kinnick. Riley Moss making his first start of the season. Gets the interception. Next, let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz, who provides his overview of this year's much-improved Illinois team. You know, he faced Illinois this week, and uh, obviously they pose a really significant uh, challenge for our football team right now. They're the hottest team on our side of the uh, division, or our side of the conference, playing with great momentum, four straight wins, and just uh, playing really good football. So I think one of the first points we made to our football team is this is a totally new Illinois football team. Uh, anything that that, you know, we may remember from the past uh, or see on film from the past really you can kind of discard it at this point because uh, they're, they're playing uh, at a really different level right now. A lot of the same faces, but they're playing at a, a much higher level right now. And I think it all just starts, you know, you go back when uh, Coach Smith got hired over there. Lovey's a, a tremendous football coach, tremendous human being, and uh, a very accomplished coach. His uh, resume speaks for itself uh, and has had success uh, a lot of different places. But, you know, from my vantage point outside of looking in, he went there with a the plan four years ago and uh, stuck with that plan. Uh, their administration uh, believed in the plan. They've stayed the course, and you know, they're really starting to see it pay dividends for them right now. You know, defensively, they've had an identity all the way through, uh, and obviously with Coach Smith's background in defense, I think that's not surprising. It's the second year now for their offensive coordinator, and his impact, I thought, was uh, very significant last year and continues to be. And then on, <clears throat> excuse me, on special teams, you look at them, they're very, very impressive. They're uh, top, top, top of the Big Ten in several categories. Punt team, I think, is second. Kickoff coverage is good as anybody and I think they're fourth in kick return so they're doing a great job special teams wise and like I said they've got a lot of uh, familiar faces to our guys and and uh, the media not only are they familiar from for experience standpoint but a lot of those guys are in their 30s in terms of uh, you know starts during their career so they've played a lot of football and I think the other significant factor is uh, they've supplemented the football team with a significant amount of transfers six of whom are starting right now and have really just kind of I think provided that extra extra benefit if you will and you can really see that it's all come together right now so you know they're playing well and uh you know there are a lot of momentum probably the two things that impressed me the most quite frankly are, are the way they're winning two of those four wins they won in the not only second half but the fourth quarter of the wisconsin game michigan state game so i think that shows you about the attitude of their football team their belief in each other their uh, ability to stay uh remain competitive regardless of what what it may look like then the other thing that really stands out jumps out you right away is their turnover takeaway margin you know they're right at the top of the league and uh you know i think that really indicates uh, the way they're playing the way they're they're coached and uh, right on through. So a lot of respect for them. We know we have a big challenge coming forward and looking forward to that. Ferentz was asked what went into the decision to make Tyler Goodson the starting running back at this point in the season. Yeah, I know everybody, uh, we start start anew every August when uh, camp starts and everybody's got a chance to, to uh, compete, you know, and uh, you know, evaluate what's going on in practice, certainly. Then the next step is guys getting to the game field and seeing what they do there. And we're not unha- unhappy with any of our running backs. I think it's uh, been one of our strengths in, on our football team. You know, I think all three of those guys are very capable, and I'd throw Ivory in there too right now. He's decided he 
wanted the uh, red shirt, which I think is a smart decision at this point. So those are the three guys in the mix. They're all doing a really good job. We're happy with all three of them in the game. And just felt like last week it was time to give uh, Tower a chance to start. And I think he responded really well. So to me, it's a positive, positive situation right now. And just uh, really pleased we have three quality players. With Minnesota much improved, Illinois 2, Northwestern winning the division last season. Kirk was asked if it's getting increasingly hard to compete for the Big Ten West Division title. Yeah, I think it's been hard. I'll start there. But I, I think, you know, college football in general has uh, really uh, gotten competitive. The scholarship, and that's why I'm going back, you know, in the 90s now. The scholarship rule, I think, has changed things, certainly. And there's a lot of good coaching staffs out there, a lot of people doing a really good job. And if you look around our conference, I think you see evidence of that pretty much everywhere you go. So, you know, credit goes to those folks. I think a lot of people probably underestimate how tough it is to win in college football. Uh, one game, let alone 12. You know, there, there aren't many teams that are going to go undefeated. But, yeah, I think it's fair to say. And, I, you know, we've seen that coming. We, we knew this would be a really competitive year. Uh, I'm not at all surprised by Illinois. Uh, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but my sense was it was going to happen. And, uh, you know, it is happening now. Again, I mean, I'll go back to when we were getting ready for Wisconsin, looking at that film, like that was not a fluke win. They they, they earned that win the hard way. And uh, that's what you have to do. But, yeah, they're doing a great job. And pretty much everywhere you look, that, that's what you're seeing, I think, in our conference. And we're not we're not the only ones. You know, there's some other good stories. But I think our conference is a really competitive conference. And, you know, if you're a coach or a player, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be in the Big Ten. Uh, to me, it stands for everything that's great about college football. And Kirk talks about how rewarding it is as a head coach to watch the growth and development, both personally and with respect to football, of the players who come in as freshmen and leave as seniors. Absolutely. I mean, and I've, you know, we've had three, uh, Mary and I have had three kids play in this program, but me being the coach um, and their dad, you know, you just see things that, uh, first thing is, I mean, it's amazing to get through here without a surgery. Uh, Of our three boys, James is the only guy that made it out without a surgery, and then he played, oh, what year was that, 2010, with probably about six weeks where he barely practiced. I mean, he's playing on a really bad ankle or bad bad foot. You just you see some of these little things, that the, the challenges these guys go through. Uh, it's hard to play football and not be injured, whether it's surgery or not surgery. The academic challenges, the ups and downs, and we all experience disappointments, coaches, players, everybody does. I don't care where you're at, what program. There, there are a lot of tough days. So when you when you see those things, your respect for, for these young people, and then you know, it's a whole different world now. The expectations on their shoulders, you know, and I, we always encourage them just to block that out. I think college football players should be protected a little bit, me personally, and not earning a salary. Uh, so, yeah, you see all these things that they have to, to weather and, and uh, deal with and, and still, you know, go out and do a good job. You know, it's, it's really, you just admire them. I admire the guys who aren't playing or playing significant snaps more than the guys that are playing. It's a little bit easier to be motivated if you know you're going to be out there on Saturday, but the Will Lax or the John Milanis, you go right down that list. Uh, they're, they're doing it for all the, all the pure reasons. You know, the real, you know, it's just about being part of the team and being doing what they can do to help the cause and that's that's how you build good teams you know having quality people around Next, we hear from Illinois head coach Lovey Smith, who was asked what he sees in Iowa given its win over previously undefeated Minnesota last Saturday. I saw, um, I think it's what you see most times. You know, they're going to play hard. They're going to play for 60 minutes throughout. You know, of course, they jumped out to a big lead. Minnesota, of course, having a good year, really came back on them and ended up being just a classic uh, Big Ten football game at the end, you know, defensively. Uh, Iowa plays great football, have been for a long period of time. Of course, this year is no exception. I won the best defensive lineman in football. On the offensive side, it seemed like Stanley has been there forever. Outstanding football player. Uh, make all of the throws. Big guy sits in the pocket. Uh, there's a commitment 
to the run, and it's been that way with with Iowa. Um, a little bit more two-back than we've seen. So both of us know each other well. So why we're looking forward to the game. Smith was asked about his mood this season, 10 games in, as compared to last year, 10 games in. We, as a foot, we, we like the position we're in. Yeah, life is a lot better when you're winning football games and uh, you accomplish more than you have in the past and you see the program headed in the right direction. Uh, we're all in a little bit better spirit uh, leading up to game week. Once you get to game week, though, it's the same thing anticipation. There's a lot of work to be done early in the week to get the game plan in. So that's where we are. Smith talks about how tough it is to win on the road in the Big Ten and his team's success doing that this year going into Saturday's game at yet another tough place to play, Kinnick Stadium. Uh, I think most teams, uh, especially Big Ten, uh, places that we go to are hard. It's tough in general going on the road. You have a home field advantage, but um, I think it also helps when you've done it before. Um, going to Purdue is a tough place. Of course, Michigan State is a tough place, and we're going to another tough place. Uh, but good football teams have to go to tough places and win. I feel like we're equipped to do that. Uh, we run the football on the offensive side. We put an emphasis on ball security and taking the ball away on the defensive side. So, yes, tough place to go on, tough on the road, but we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's, it's a psychological uh, component to it. Yeah, absolutely, but uh, I think it's a lot more than that. Eventually, all of that is, uh, I mean, to, to a man, have we gotten better? Uh, we tackling better? Are we blocking better? It's all those things, eventually, the fundamentals of football. I feel like we're doing a better job of that. The last part I'll say is just we talk, I talk, we as a staff, a lot about finishing. Start fast, start fast. But it's about how you finish, and our guys are really bought into that as much as anything. We play for 60 minutes, and resting up should help us a little bit better. Uh, be ready to do that. And Lovey Smith was asked how important it is for a program and a team to have a defensive identity like the Hawkeyes do. Uh, absolutely. I think you need to uh, put it out there on exactly. I don't think you have to put it out there. I think um, people look at what you do and how you do things and your reputation gets out. Owned. And yes, hours, the reputation precedes them a little bit. And we hope uh, eventually that'll be the case with the University of Illinois too. I think we're heading that direction now. Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. this place but the faithful here have watched this before and ultimately it was Epinesa in that front four that got home on the game defining drive to nail it the unbeaten season ends as Kirk Ferentz and the Hawkeyes beat Minnesota 23-19 their third top 10 home win in the last four seasons and Floyd of Rosedale stays here fifth consecutive win for the Hawkeyes against Minnesota time now for our weekly reporters notebook feature this week with Scott Docterman you can and read Scott's articles online at theathletic.com slash team slash Iowa dash Hawkeyes. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott reflects on the win over Minnesota and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game, Iowa hosting Illinois on Senior Day. 
Scott Docterman's back. We're going to preview the Iowa-Illinois Big Ten West game, big game for both teams. But first, Scott, let's reflect on Iowa's big win over previously undefeated Minnesota. They retained Floyd of Rosedale. Offense came out with all guns firing in the first half. That was a big win. It sure was. I mean, it gave Iowa a signature win for this season. It was, you know, Iowa had kind of been lacking in that department. They played three ranked teams and lost all three in very close fashion. So, you know, I think every Every season, you want to have that game that kind of stands out at the forefront. And, and Minnesota being a ranked team in the top 10 kind of gave Iowa that opportunity. And, and I thought, you know, in the first half, offensively especially, uh, Iowa could not have played any better. Uh, three straight drives of touchdowns that hadn't happened all year. They were able to kind of mix plays, uh, formations, everything seemed to work. And, uh, you know, and so Iowa was able to take a big lead and then uh, kind of hang on in the end, but still worked out. So uh, the Hawkeyes retained Floyd of Rosedale for the fifth straight year and uh, now move up to 17th in the co- in the uh, playoff bowl. Let's talk about the second half for a minute because they racked up over 200 yards in the first half and were making plays all over the field and it looked like several of them you know the Minnesota defense wasn't prepared for but in the second half they really struggled again. What's your sense of what happened then? Was it Minnesota's defense figuring out some things that they needed to accomplish or did the Iowa offense go back to its uh, usual 2019 mode of operation? Not really. You know, I think this is getting a little overanalyzed in some ways, but Iowa only had four four drives in the second half, and uh, they moved the ball effectively in their first two, but sacks on third down really, you know, kept them from uh, being able to do anything with it. I mean, the first drive, uh, you know, Iowa went from its own 25 to the Minnesota 45, but then a nine-yard sack forced it to punt. You know, in the second drive, they went from their own 22 all the way into the, you know, to the 42, of uh, Minnesota, but then another is a 16-yard sack, forced them to punt. And then later on, uh, you know, Iowa was able to get a field goal. And then, you know, later on, then, you know, they were also punting. So, and that was kind of in their three-minute offense. So I don't know that there was anything necessarily wrong. It's just as much as they didn't get the ball. I mean, Minnesota did keep the ball for quite a while. And uh, Iowa, on third-down opportunities, uh, sacks really thwarted any chance to score more points. So I I really think that overall, it, it wasn't, there wasn't anything wrong as much as it was just one bad play on each drive. Okay, let's go back now. Look at Iowa against Illinois. Both teams bowl eligible. Both teams looking to improve their bowl slotting. And to do that really effectively, they'll have to win their last two games. The Hawkeyes still have a 10-win season in grasp as a possibility. Let's look at the Iowa offense matching up against a much improved Illinois defense that head coach Lovey Smith has also taken over the defensive coordinator responsibilities. Yeah, even though Iowa has struggled and been inconsistent on offense, I think this is where Iowa kind of stands out in this uh, matchup. I mean, first, yeah, Iowa, you know, is still ranked ninth in, in total offense in the Big Ten, but it does move the ball in chunks on uh, through the passing game. They do have explosive playmakers. It's likely that Brandon Smith will be back. Tyrone Tracy has really taken off for this team and become that playmaker that can do a lot of different things. And then, uh, you, but you look at Minnesota's defense, and I I would say, if nothing else, the one positive asset that they have is they take the ball away. They're plus 14 in takeaway, giveaway margin, which means that they're not doing anything too negative on offense and on defense. They're really, you know, hacking. And I think we saw that from all these teams with the Bears. That was kind of their hallmark too. And 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 so that's been a real plus for them that they have been bending, breaking, but then all of a sudden snagging and uh, really helping them get the ball back because you know they're ranked 10th. They give up you know 400. 
109 yards uh, per game, which is 100 plus yards more than what Iowa gives up. But then, you know, they're, they're 13th in rush defense at almost 200 yards a game. That's going to be really difficult for them if Iowa can kind of run the ball effectively, which they were able to do with Tyler Goodson last week. So this is a matchup that I think is really pointed in Iowa's favor. Even Iowa's offense, as inconsistent as it is, they, they still get yards. And uh, this is a favorable rushing matchup for the Hawkeyes. It's always fun to look at the strength on strength matchups in these games. And, you know, Iowa is ninth in the nation in terms of turnovers. They've given up just nine. They've had nine turnovers all season long. And then, you know, you were just talking about Illinois comes in first in the nation in defensive touchdowns, turnovers gained, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, and turnover margin, and then seventh in tackles for loss. But that's amazing. It sure is. And uh, it does show that's what they put a priority on is taking the ball away. They don't really have the, they have some really good defenders who do a good job of that, especially at the second level. I really like their their linebackers. But, you know, as far as stopping teams, they don't do a, uh, that great of a job of it. So they've got to find a different way to, to make drives more effective for their defense. And that's been to, to really take away the ball. But but again, with Iowa, they've had one turnover in the last three games. Uh, you're just, and that was a fumbled snap. So they are risk averse in that department. And I think that's something that will really benefit them. The other part of this is, and this goes on both sides of the line of scrimmage, that Iowa is number one in the Big Ten in penalty yards per game at 32. The Illini are last at almost 64. So they have double the penalty yards per game. So I think uh, Iowa's disciplined philosophy kind of runs counter to the way Illinois wants to run and operate, which is, okay, if we get into trouble, try to take the ball away. Well, yeah, everybody tries to do that, but they rely on it so much that I think in this game it could be a detriment. Back to Iowa's offense for a second, Scott. You've been advocating for a few weeks, and it finally happened. Tyler Goodson got the start at running back for the Hawkeyes and really performed exceptionally well. He sure did. Uh, You know, the first three drives, he ended up with, I think, 75 yards um, on the ground. And they... He does some things that are special in Iowa's run scheme, and and it's a zone scheme. It's difficult to manage unless you have the type of back who can do what you ask him to do, and in his case, he can, which is he can step in and out of tackles unlike any of the other running backs. He's got very quick feet. He's got a great burst and explosion through holes, and then he can make people miss when they come close to contact. I mean, on his touchdown run, uh, there were two linemen. One, One was an interior, one was an exterior lineman, and both of them had an opportunity opportunity to, to tackle him for about a two-yard gain or so, and he made them both miss, and then ran over a, a cornerback the final three yards into the end zone, and that's special. That's unique. That's something that he can do that other running backs can't do, and it really provides some life to that running game, and so you need to give a running back more opportunities to make those plays, and you know, and then also there was the, the third and one pitch. That was different for this offense. Uh, Iowa traditionally, when it lines up with two tight ends, a fullback and a running back, it runs a dive and Minnesota knew that. So everybody collapsed around Brady Ross, but they faked the, the dive into the line and, and then had a, a misdirection pitch to, to Goodson. And boy, he had nothing but, but green, uh, well, we won't say grass, the turf in front of him and, a, you know, 25 yard gain. So, 
you know, they, they put him in a position where he could succeed, and he certainly did so. So I, I think he's the guy going forward. You've just got to make sure you get him the ball, and he's proven that he's capable as a major playmaker in this offense. And one more note on Iowa's wide receivers, and you talked about Brandon Smith likely coming back and clear how much playing time he'll get per Kirk on Tuesday. But the wide receivers as a group did a really nice job when he was out, and now you've got an extra body. Kirk said something to the effect that more the merrier at that position. But how do you see playing time breaking out now with all four of those guys? This is an offense that has run more four wide receiver sets this year than it ever has before. Um, I'm fairly confident to say that Hayden didn't have that many four, <laughs> four wide receiver sets either, even though his, his reputation is a little strong in that department. No, they, this is a, they're going to exercise this a lot more and it's going to be a pivotal because you have four playmakers at that position group and the tight ends. I, I think Sam Laporta has come along and done a nice job, but, you know, still remain kind of void of, of those playmakers. Now, you know, in the past, I always try to use four or five receivers in a rotation. And I can't imagine that Brandon Smith will be able to go out and play 60 plays. Uh, so I think with Tyrone Tracy, the way he's performed, you're going to want him out there as much as you can. Uh, almost 300 yards receiving over the last three games, 22, almost 23 yards per catch in, in that three game span, big play, 75 yarder against Wisconsin. You know, you had a, a 50 yard touchdown against Northwestern. It's, it's imperative. You get him on the field. He does things with uh, the ball that few people do, but then same thing with Amir Smith Marset and Nico Rangani has made plays and Brandon Smith, of course, has been terrific. So I expect them to go out of four wide receivers quite a bit, but I also think that they're going to have a heavier rotation. Maybe Brandon Smith cuts his snaps down to say 30 instead of 55 or 60. So I, I do anticipate being snaps for all four of those receivers, and they're all going to be used quite a bit in the passing game. Back to the Illinois defense for just a moment. Uh, they're led by uh, two of their starting linebackers, Harding and Hanson. And Harding is uh, second in the nation, first in the Big Ten in tackles. Uh, Hanson, number one in the nation in forced fumbles, and fourth in terms of fumbles recovered. They've got some pretty active defensive linemen, too. They sure do. And, uh, you know, Harding, to me, is just your, your typical you know, innings eater, you know, man, he just, he really eats up the opponent. And I think in some ways, a lot like Josie Jewell, he's very, you know, gifted that way. Now, statistically, they're not great other than in those areas of the takeaways. And, and in Harding's case, they let him be their tackle magnet. And uh, if you have a defensive line that allows your linebacker to run free and, and make those plays and you do it, and he's done a really good job of that 12 tackles a game, that's that's really important for them. And, and then, as you mentioned, Hanson is, is struggling with some injuries. So I don't know if he'll be able to come back. And if he does, you know, he may be ineffective, but, you know, or how effective he'll be, I don't really know. But I will say this both players are um, outstanding at that level. But I, I'm also interested to see how they handle Iowa's offensive line. It is a physical line. It's different than the ones that they've played, and uh, they try to get to the linebackers as often as they can, and so I wonder how often Harding is going to be able to fight them off. They also uh, probably sit atop the Big Ten in terms of hard-to-pronounce defensive lineman names. I'm I'm not even going to try to go there, so. What about Jackson? (laughs) (laughs) You got one. Yeah. So, 
What do we think Brian Ferentz learned from the fourth quarter at Wisconsin and the first half against Minnesota in terms of this matchup? Who has the edge? Iowa's offense, Illinois' defense. This is an Iowa offensive game, I really think so. I mean, this is uh, against a unit that does, that runs a similar type of uh, defense that Iowa is used to. Yeah, they, they, they're a little bit multiple, but, but they're really more like Iowa in its cash. So they're going to see a lot of, you know, I mean, think of the cover two that Lovey liked to employ while he was with the Chicago Bears. He's, he employs a little bit of that. They they are fairly sound in tackling and taking the ball away. But, but by and large, this is a unit that gets pushed around 200 yards rushing per game. So I like Iowa in this one. Now, as far as the fourth quarter against Wisconsin, I don't know if Iowa needs to push the tempo very often against them, but they might. I think they might in, in a series or two. And having four, those four wide receivers, it may be conducive to doing that if you can complete passes down the field. So I, I think Iowa has a big advantage in this game in that group. Okay, Iowa's defense, Illini offense. The Hawkeyes defense still just surrendering 12.4 points per game. Uh, Illinois getting 30.7 on average. And total offense for the teams, Iowa's defense 303, Illinois' offense 334. So you look at the Illini's offense, and, and two of their key players are transfers. Uh, their quarterback backs from Michigan. Their leading wide receiver is really good. He's from USC. And then they have two running backs uh, that are also real solid this season. Yeah, Reggie Corbin is as good as it gets at, at running back. Uh, you know, average is almost 5'3", a, a carry, and plus 600 yards. He was really good last year. And then they were really good last year running the football. Their biggest problem last year was they couldn't stop it. They're way better this year and they're still not very good. Just shows you how bad they were last year. I do like the way Brandon Peters has settled on, has settled in at quarterback. That's one thing that Lovey has not had it in Illinois, and that is a quarterback who is consistent, who does the right thing, who doesn't make mistakes. You know, he's got 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. He doesn't complete the ball all that well. I mean, 55%, but he's a smart, heady quarterback, a veteran who's been in some good systems. So I think he's got a chance to, you know, again, kind of, you know, settle down what they do offensively. But that said, you know, they are not, uh, you know, a special unit by any stretch. I mean, this is a unit that averages, you know, 333 uh, yards a game. That's off, you know, passing wise, you know, they're at 183. So, you know, they, they're not a dynamic unit by any stretch. You know, and against Wisconsin, you just, when you looked at that game, there, there was a couple of strange scenarios. They were never even in the red zone, and yet they, they scored 24 points. It's because they were able to hit for big plays and, and turn, force some turnovers. And that's kind of where they are advantageous. So Iowa has to avoid big play. Uh, for the most part, they do. That's what they, they, they do a good job of that. That's what they try to avoid as much as possible on defense. You know, and Illinois strength is their running game. I, I don't, I think Iowa has a chance to really slow that down to a crawl, kind of the way they did against Minnesota. So there's not a lot of advantages here for the Illini going against Iowa either. I've kind of looked at this whole matchup as very challenging for the Illini because everywhere that they're good, Iowa's a little bit better. And uh, where they're bad, Iowa can take advantage of their of their issues. If you look at their scoring numbers, it's really interesting. They are perfectly balanced. 17 rushing touchdowns, 17 passing touchdowns. And if you're an Iowa fan seeing Illinois play for the first time, keep your eyes on that USC transfer. Jossie Matterbebe, he has nine of those 17 touchdown receptions. He's uh, He's been a really good addition for them. And I'm impressed that you're able to pronounce his <laughs> name effectively that first time. But, uh, you know, and that's that's been helpful. I mean, they 
have, you know, been able to hit the transfer portal and grab some guys. They've needed to. Uh, they were woefully deficient. And, and a lot of times they've had guys who were uh, good athletes but just never fit or just were not very effective in, in what they could do. So the fact that they do have some players, a quarterback who's smart and, and does a good job, you know, a receiver who's fairly dynamic, and then, and of course, Reggie Corbin in the backfield. I think this is a, this is a team that's capable of causing some issues. And, and I think, uh, you know, but but that there again, Iowa has a, a pretty veteran unit. They've done a nice job for the most part in, in limiting big plays. Last week, they faced the best wide receiver tandem that they'll see all year. And they, they did a, a yeoman's work. <laughs> I think they had some issues, but but by and large, but then again, Tyler Johnson and Chris Ottman Bell and uh, Rashad Bateman are both, you know, that's probably as good of a trio as you'll ever find. So this, this is a good unit to compete against, but it, it's not as good as what you saw last week. On defense, you finally saw Christian Welch able to return from his injury and missed a few games. He was outstanding in the Minnesota game. And uh, Michael Ojemudia, who did not play, was replaced by Riley Moss. Close out Minnesota's last gasp effort. You know, they played well, but getting Welch back really made a difference last week. You know, a game-high 11 tackles, you know, to be able to get that sack, it was critical for him to come back because that offense is very difficult to defend when you have the uh, the RPOs. when you And they do such a good job, Minnesota does, with holding the mesh to the last possible second before Tanner Morgan pulls it out and then throws it, whether it's downfield or, or hands it off. If you have an inexperienced linebacker, they could really take advantage of that. And I think Dylan Doyle or Jack Campbell, they have a bright future at Iowa for a long period of time. But when, you, when you're in that kind of environment against that kind of a team, you want a Christian Welch back there. He's a veteran. He understands what, what needs to happen. And, and then, of course, he's able to uh, to kind of lead the unit and perform. And likewise, you know, Riley Moss had a really good effort, I thought, replacing Michael Ojemudia, who was, uh, you know, it was hurt kind of later in the week. So, I, I you know, this week, Michael Ojemudia is back at practice. We don't know how much he'll play. I assume he'll play some. And if he can play more than some, he will. He's final home game. But I, I think they were in good hands with Riley Moss, who seems to be playing much better than last year, which he was a little bit inconsistent. We can't move on without mentioning A.J. Epinesa, uh, named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week for a reason. He had an outstanding game, and, and he's really been impactful most of the season, but you finally saw the numbers match the impact. Two and a half sacks, forced fumble, tackles, you know, and then even early on, I mean, the, the impact that he had, there was a couple of plays where, I mean, he was double and triple teamed, and, you know, he's still able to kind of move the position group and enable his, uh, his teammates to kind of get around, and, and one of them was a, the blitz by Christian Welch that produced the sack. Just, uh, you know, at times he looks like Godzilla out there. I mean, he's just really a, a ferocious competitor and the best player on the field and tips the field when he's out there, and that was certainly the case the other day, and when they can't pick him up, it's devastating for an offense. Last year, we saw that against Illinois, where he, uh, in a five-play span, he had a, a sack, a forced fumble that he returned for a touchdown and a blocked uh, punt. I mean, it just was incredible the way he played that day, and, and I think we'll see a, a performance similar in similar fashion, I mean, except for the fact that the, Illinois, the Illini staff fully appreciate how good he is, and Lovey Smith talked about it this week, so yeah, I'm sure they will do everything in their power to prevent him from doing anywhere near what he did last last week or last year against them, but he's an impressive player, and I and I dare say that in Kirk Ferentz's 21 years as head coach, I think he's the best at that position. That's uh, quite a compliment. Uh, yeah, Lovey was bemoaning. He said, we well, can't afford to lose players 
players from Illinois like that. So Yeah, well, you know, Lovey's also had issues where he doesn't recruit somebody like a Sam Laporta, <laughs> you know, so let alone A.J. Epineza. So he needs to recruit Sam Laporta's as much as he does A.J. Epineza. The matchup here, Iowa's defense, the Illini offense. Again, this just seems like such a, almost a mismatch. Even teams like Purdue had opportunities in areas where they could exploit Iowa. And a lot of times that's with big strikes. And Illinois doesn't have that. Uh, Illinois doesn't have the, the, the David Bell combination to, to throw down the field and do things like that. It doesn't have the power that Wisconsin does that could really override Iowa's, you know, fairly strong rush defense. Illinois is going to be kind of in that, that middle zone, which is the worst one to do against Iowa. So I think the Hawkeyes have a have a clear advantage here. I think they'll be able to slow down the running attack, and then they'll be able to stifle the pass as well and and, uh, and get to the quarterback you know, in, in third, third down passing situations. Okay, just a couple of notes on special teams. You're going to see two of the better kickers in the nation here in this game on Saturday. The Illinois punter, also in Australia, in his third season down there is second in the Big Ten averaging 45 yards a punt and of course as most Iowa fans know Keith Duncan leads the nation in made field goals and he's had an outstanding season when Iowa really needed that. Yeah he has and that's been that's been one of the main bright spots for the Hawkeyes. I mean 23 field goals this year you know he's made just about all of them that have mattered you know if he ever gets down to a situation where Iowa needs to uh, needs a field goal to win a game I don't think there's any fear that, you know, is he too, is he ready for it? No, I think he can he can handle that. You know, but one thing about Illinois is and and this is kind of a, again a hallmark to the to Lovey Smith is that they they have really good special teams and they have a great punter as you mentioned from Australia and then they have a good kicker and and they also cover kicks well. So I, I think this is a, you know, this is an area where I think it's fairly even between the two teams. I don't know that one has a, a distinct advantage over the other. They're both well-coached units, so I, I do think uh, you know that that's that's not a place where you can make up ground against the Illini. Yeah, interesting little factoid footnote. How many games do you see played when two Midwest Power Five teams uh, have punters from Australia? Not a whole lot, although I think there are a couple <laughs> of others in the Big Ten. Just kind of weird. Yeah, Ohio State and Rutgers. Uh, although Rutgers is way out there, but <laughs> okay. Time for the pick. You've got Senior Day, and I recall many conversations with Marv Cook when he was doing our shows about how meaningful that really is. But the emotions can also cut both ways. And then you have an Illinois team that has shown uh, very clearly they aren't afraid to play from behind and have come from behind to uh, beat Michigan State and Wisconsin. So what's your thoughts here? Yeah, you look at the Illini and this is not going to shape up anywhere near what it was last year because last year they were lifeless, embarrassed, uh, it was a lifeless stadium, and the, the team was less than lifeless. It was 63 to nothing. It was the worst loss they'd had in 113 years. So it was, <laughs> it, it, it looked like one of those bad high school games. I, I don't think that's the case at all now. And they have confidence because, against, as you mentioned, you know they, they came back from, I think, with a nine-point deficit in the fourth quarter to beat Wisconsin. They, they came back from a 25-point deficit to win at Michigan State. And even in a game that they did lose to Michigan, they were down quite a bit and, and rallied. And, 
and came within shouting distance of the Wolverines. So this is a team that, you know, a typical 24 to 10 fourth quarter lead, you know, okay, milk it, get the game over with, win the game. That's not quite the philosophy you need to have here because they do actually believe in themselves that they can come back even in tough environments. Uh, That said, it's about matchups. It's about what you think is going to happen. And and I do think Iowa is better in every area. Illinois has won four straight. That's been, uh, you know, a terrific uh, run for for the Illini. And I think next week against Northwestern, they'll probably win that game. I just think this one is just not a very good matchup for them. I I think that Iowa is better than they are at at just about every area, you know, from penalties to uh, their, you know, last and third down conversions on offense. Uh, They've allowed the most sacks in the Big Ten. You know, they're they're 13th and run defense. It's just, you know, every area that, that really hurts them, Iowa can exploit. So I like the Hawkeyes to come through comfortably. I don't know that senior day is going to matter a whole lot, but I do think Iowa wins and wins decisively 34 to 10. Where's your killer instinct, son? You got to get angry. You got to get mean. That's the only way you can play. Well, I guess I'm not really an angry person. Are you angry now? Before we close this show, I want our listeners to know that there will not be a Reporter's Notebook podcast next week for the Iowa-Nebraska game. There are multiple reasons for this, primarily logistical and technical, but also the fact it's a holiday week with Thanksgiving on Thursday and the game is on Friday. We will be doing our regular coverage and posts, pregame notes, presser transcripts, game predictions, and so forth. So enjoy your Thanksgiving break and hopefully your family as well. And we'll talk Iowa football on our podcasts again as we prepare for the Hawkeyes bowl game. What exactly did you have in mind, Mr. Carlson? <laughs> what do you suppose he's up to? And I think I hear something now. Oh, something just came out of the back. Perhaps a skydiver. No parachutes yet. Oh my God, they're turkey. Turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Thanks for that on-the-spot report, class. I thought it would work. It's pretty strange after that. I really don't know how to describe it. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Our thanks again, as always, to our regulars on Hawkeyes, Mike, Scott Docterman, Steve Batterson, and John Bonenkamp. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes, Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 13 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.